All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tunes Podcast. It is Sunday, March 17th, 2019. It's been a little while since we've done the podcast, but as you guys know, get a little busy with writing uh, and other podcasts, radio stuff uh, as we go through the stretch run of the season. But now that we are into March, uh, that is the exciting part of the year, as we know. And the NCAA tournament field has officially been announced for the 2019 NCAA tournament. So let's go ahead and run through some initial thoughts. Uh, we'll obviously have a lot more stuff going up throughout the tournament over at southeasthoops.com. So be sure you check out everything over there. Before we dive into the NCAA tournament, some quick thoughts on the SEC tournament that's been going on here in Nashville, uh, which ended with the Auburn Tigers winning the tournament in convincing fashion against Tennessee. Uh, one of those games where I think a lot of people expected it to be a pretty close game. And after seeing how Tennessee played against Kentucky, uh, I would say that it made sense for a lot of people to think that the Vols would be able to carry that momentum over and get a win against Auburn. But that was simply not the case. Uh, Rick Barnes' team had no answer for the way that Auburn was shooting the three and forcing turnovers. And that allowed the Tigers to grab the SEC championship, and that is a great segue into uh, talking about the biggest takeaways from this NCAA tournament field, and I think that's where it begins for me when you look around at all seven teams in the SEC. Auburn gets a five seed in the Midwest region. You know, it's clear, and here's the problem, is that it's clear the committee did not take any part of Auburn's win against Tennessee into account when making the bracket and when deciding where exactly to put Auburn. You can make the argument, if you want, that maybe Auburn didn't deserve to be above some of the other teams that are in front of them. Everyone can make that argument that every team is going to get debated when you have the the seeding comparison and all that. However, The problem I have is that it's clear that a win over a Tennessee team who was on the verge of getting a number one seed in this tournament did not mean anything to the committee, and I think that is a bigger issue that has to be addressed at some point when it comes to these Sunday Conference Tournament Championships. Uh, It is obvious that that win, in such a convincing fashion, like we mentioned, had no effect on Auburn's seeding or placement Um, and the placement is probably not great if you're someone just looking at it from a matchup standpoint because they're going to start off with a New Mexico State team uh, that is very, very good, and it's the type of team that can probably give Auburn some issues. And I know if you're an Auburn fan, you're you're on the high of winning the SEC championship, and you don't want to immediately start thinking about everything else, but that's the nature of Uh, of how this works and it is it's a tough draw you have New Mexico State in the first round then you're looking at a potential matchup with Kansas and I would even say a team like Northeastern who I talked about before the season even started they're one of those teams that has a lot of experience uh, had a lot of guys coming back and they were able to make it into the tournament they're not an easy matchup for anyone either so I don't think Kansas winning that game is necessarily a gimme Uh, and then you're looking ahead at a potential North Carolina you've got Kentucky down there which we'll talk about in a second It's a tough draw for Auburn, uh, but like I said after the championship game, 
what makes Auburn so dangerous is their ability to shoot the three. If they can get rolling from a three-point standpoint while forcing turnovers, turning that into offense, um, the Tigers can hang with anybody. They can beat anyone, and we saw how quickly they're able to impact the game uh, with how they beat Tennessee, and that's funny because that's what Rick Barnes said after Tennessee beat Kentucky on Saturday was that Auburn's a team that can really get going, and we saw that, and I think that is going to be the key again in what is a tough draw. You have to turn around now, play on Thursday, uh, and the bigger problem with that is that you just you don't get rewarded for winning you know, four games in four days and beating a potential number one seed, uh, and I think that that's not something, that's not a trend I think the committee can continue to lean on because it has to be taken into account if we're talking about overall resume, if we're talking about putting the teams in that are playing the best um, from an overall resume standpoint, I don't know how you don't take into account um, a team that goes out and completely blasts uh, a team that was the number one team in the country at one point during the season and was in a great spot to be a number one seed had they won, won that game. So uh, that's something a lot of people will be talking about, and rightfully so. Uh, if you're the Tigers, because it, it is. It puts you kind of in, in a different spot. But like with all other teams, now it's simply about winning games. Um, going through just some parts of these brackets, we'll dive more into this as we go throughout the week. And, and there will be a lot more stuff just breaking down each individual matchup. Starting in the East, uh, Mississippi State gets a 5 seed. And when I saw that Mississippi State got a 5 seed, I thought that was going to bode well uh, for a lot of other SEC teams because I think a lot of the projections had Mississippi State uh, right around a six or so, uh, but the Bulldogs able to get a five seed and maybe uh, not necessarily the greatest matchup. Liberty is the 12. Uh, Liberty's another team that, that I've talked about all season long, even going into the year. The style that they play, uh, when you think about Richie McKay, someone who worked under Tony Bennett, uh, they're going to be efficient on both sides of the court. And if they're able to kind of maintain sort of control possessions, uh, they're not necessarily going to slow the game down to a halt, uh, but they're going to find a way to get the most efficient shot they can, and they're going to make it tough from a defensive standpoint. Mississippi State's going to have to be ready uh, for that pack line defense. And I'll tell you, I don't necessarily think it's the greatest matchup for Mississippi State just because of the defensive uh, principles uh, for that Liberty team and playing that pack line that Virginia's done so well uh, over the years. But the Bulldogs uh, have the potential. I've said it many times, the depth that they have, uh, the overall talent, there's no doubt that Mississippi State can be a, a second weekend type of team. Uh, but if they get there, it's probably going to be a matchup with Duke, and I'm not sure anyone Wants to play Duke uh, right now. So going on down in the East, LSU is there as well as number three. There was a lot of talk about the Tigers possibly dropping seed-wise based on you know not having Will Wade as the coach, Tony Benford, the interim coach now, and the fact that they lost their first SEC tournament game to Florida this week. Uh, and I think some people wondered, you know, the committee says they take those kind of things into account. And so you wonder, you know, could they get dropped just based on where they are right now? And I think that's something that you look at and say, well, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where overall resume matters. And I think looking at LSU's overall resume, there's no doubt that a three seed is warranted uh, and they will get Yale as the number 14 seed in that part of the bracket. Going to the West, um, only one SEC team in the West, and that is the Florida Gators, who are the number 10 seed in that region, and they will take on Nevada as the number 7. 
I think you could interestingly kind of look and make the case that Nevada's the seven is not a great draw for Florida because Nevada's a team um, that has a lot of experience. We all know about the guys that are coming back uh, that came back this season from last year's team that went far in the tournament. And now the Gators will kind of have to put that that defensive efficiency to the test against a team that can really get going offensively. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things that, like we said, it doesn't matter who you play. You're going to have a an interesting matchup no matter what. You're going to see a team uh, that you probably haven't seen all season long in terms of actually playing them. And that's what the Gators are going to get here with the Nevada team that, that has experience. They know how to win in this tournament. Uh, a lot of those pieces are back, and I think that experience – is something where Florida's going to have to be sure that they play kind of to their potential offensively. Uh, we know they're going to make things difficult defensively, I think, on Nevada. Uh, it's just for a matter for Florida, it's just a matter uh, of being able to kind of uh, keep things flowing offensively and not run into those stretches uh, where they're struggling to score because uh, Nevada has a lot of firepower, and that's going to be something to watch in that particular matchup. Going to the south, uh, Ole Miss uh, up there as the number eight seed going up against number nine seed Oklahoma. The Rebels getting in the tournament, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this a lot leading up to that game. The fact that they're in the tournament is something that is certainly a surprising uh, development this season when they were picked last in the SEC. Um, But even going into the year, you guys remember, I talked about it a lot, this roster was not as bad as everybody kind of looked at. And then when you think about all the newcomers, just sort of the, the change in philosophy, a different voice now uh, leading the team, it put the Rebels in a good spot. And they clearly, from an overall resume standpoint, uh, earned this eight seed, even with the loss to Alabama. You'd have thought, you know, there were some people thought they may drop even to a nine, a 10 possibly. Uh, but it's clear that, that even that loss to Alabama, the committee was impressed enough with their overall resume to put them at an eight seed. Uh, going up against an Oklahoma team uh, that kind of, you know, is one of those teams where when they're playing really well, uh, and they're they're a dangerous team, but when they're not, uh, they're certainly beatable. And there are some weaknesses that Ole Miss will be able to exploit uh, with that because you do have a, a sort of experienced Ole Miss team uh, getting this, this kind of back in a groove after losing that Alabama game is going to be important because we saw Ole Miss really play against top-tier competition this season, uh, hang with a lot of these teams. They beat some good teams. So the, the Rebels will kind of be ready, I think, for, for that type of matchup. And I think it's a pretty good draw when you look at it uh, overall, except that you have to play Virginia in that second round. Uh, we know how difficult that's going to be if Ole Miss is able to advance past Oklahoma there. Going down to the number two seed, and that is Tennessee, who's going to take on 15-seeded Colgate. Um, you, you know, I said it immediately as soon as the bracket came out. I think if you're Tennessee, we were talking about the Vols possibly getting a number one seed and all that. I don't know why you would want a number one seed after looking at this particular draw because I don't think you could have uh, sort of a better scenario here with the way this thing played out, minus the fact that potentially playing Cincinnati and Columbus is something that will be talked about a lot, and it's not ideal at all. But if you're talking about from a basketball standpoint, from good matchups against teams uh, that are also in the tournament, I think Tennessee has a lot of great matchups in this side of the bracket. Um, And again, yes, we can say that if they do wind up playing Cincinnati, why is this game in Columbus? And people can argue about that, and that's fair. Uh, But I I think from a basketball standpoint, Tennessee is clearly, to me, the second-best team in this region behind Virginia. 
And and that's where I think if you're the Vols, you know, I think it's a pretty nice path. And, you know, as we know, there's no easy games. Uh, but I think if you're a Vols fan, you've got to really enjoy this part of the bracket because I look up and down there and I don't see a lot of teams in there that I feel strong enough about uh, that can go up against a Virginia or a Tennessee. And so I would probably be surprised just looking over the bracket now, not knowing how things are going to play out uh, with some of these first-round matchups. This is probably the, the one you really look at and say, okay, you feel really strong about Virginia and Tennessee's chances to meet each other in the Elite Eight. Uh, never that easy. Always easier said than done. Uh, but I do love this setup here for the Vols and that one. Going to the Midwest, we talked about Auburn. Tough matchup against New Mexico State is the 5 and the 12 there. Uh, and it doesn't get any easier with a potential Kansas and then potentially North Carolina and then potentially a Kentucky at some point. An Auburn-Kentucky Elite Eight, uh, that would certainly be a lot of fun. Uh, but just going down to talk about Kentucky, the number two seed, they'll play Abilene Christian as the number 15. Uh, the Wildcats certainly disappointed uh, losing to Tennessee in the SEC tournament semis. But overall, I think if you're Kentucky, th- there are some some possible pitfalls in that part of the bracket. Wofford, a very, very good team, and there's a reason why they got a number seven seed out of the SOCON. They have proven that they are capable of beating these top-tier teams, and that's not a team you probably want to play in that second round. Uh, then you're talking about a potential matchup against Houston or Iowa State. Both those teams, Iowa State winning the Big 12 tournament title. Houston uh, came up short against Cincinnati, but they've proven all year long uh, that they are a team that you do not want to have to match up against based on how they play. Uh, so there are some some tough challenges for Kentucky in there. And, of course, that goes with North Carolina as well. Uh, when you look up and down that bracket, I think you could certainly argue that the Midwest is the toughest uh, part of the entire bracket. And, Kentucky fans know that seems to always be the case uh, with the Wildcats, and that's something you hear every year. But I think it's certainly the case when you go up and down uh, 1 through 16 in that part of the region. It does feel like the Midwest is the toughest uh, from top to bottom, and that's something that will get talked about a lot as we get this thing going. A couple quick questions from you guys. I threw this out quickly on Twitter because I'm pretty much recording as soon as the uh, – the, the uh, bracket came out, and so not a chance to get a ton of questions in. I would have sent this out earlier, but again, at the SEC tournament all week, just didn't think about it. Uh, a couple questions. Ryan, he does a great job over at No Huddle Sports. Uh, give Ryan a follow on Twitter. Does a wonderful job there. Uh, at RyanMCC09, uh, he asks about Florida's chances of a first-round win. We talked about that a minute ago. Uh, you know, Nevada, like we said, it, it's a team that has a lot of experience, and it's a team that returns a lot of guys who were able to navigate a tough NCAA tournament path last season, and they're not someone I think you, you want to play in this type of scenario. But like I mentioned, Florida's defense is something we've seen all season long. It's something that can give teams problems, and whenever they are able to turn kind of like – it's not the same as Auburn, but a team that can turn defense into offense is a team that can certainly capitalize in these one-game situations – where it's win or go home. And I think that's why if, if you're Mike White, as long as that defense is there, I feel like if you're Florida, you, you have a pretty good shot here. It's just a matter of making sure you kind of find a rhythm offensively because if not, Nevada's another team that once they get going, they are really hard to stop. Uh, so I think if you're the Gators, going up against that kind of experience that you're going to see from guys who have been through this process, they know how it works. And certainly there are guys on Florida that in the same way uh, but I think a Nevada team that, that has a lot of confidence coming out of last year's 
appearance in this tournament and just the way they played all season long. Not an easy matchup by any means, but the Gators' defense, I think, is going to give them a chance just based on how they play defense, um, and that's something that can take you a long way uh, in these types of matchups when you go up against teams that maybe just simply don't know how to uh, get the best shots against you. And Nevada's going to have trouble uh, getting great shots, uh, I think, against Florida, and that could make things uh, a little difficult there. Another question, why did the committee make Auburn play on a Thursday after playing on a Sunday? Well, that that again goes back to, to what we said. I just don't think the committee did a very good job at all when it comes to the entire situation Uh, with Auburn just because you're talking about a team that just put in an incredible effort to win the SEC tournament championship again in convincing fashion in the championship game now they didn't just come out and win a game you know by a couple points they essentially dominated that game uh, against what would have been a number one seed in this tournament had they have won and I think that's the problem you have if you're Auburn you just can't look at that and feel like the committee took it into effect at all. Um, and that goes to every year. We have these things that really stand out when it comes to the committee getting things right or getting things wrong. I think this scenario, they completely got it wrong in terms of how they sort of slotted things with Auburn. Uh, but as we know, it's an Auburn team that can use that type of stuff as motivation. And this is not a team uh, that is shy about those things. They are out to prove a point. They did it in the SEC tournament. And they will certainly be on a mission uh, to do it again here in the NCAA tournament uh, with their first-round matchup against New Mexico State. Uh, but it will be a lot of fun, and I think for SEC teams, uh, certainly the opportunity getting seven teams in after getting eight in last season, have teams that you feel like can win some games in this thing. And that's what's going to make this a lot of fun. Um, going beyond that, Alabama was the second team left out. I said it going in. There were a lot of people who thought Alabama didn't really have a chance. Uh, to get into the the tournament after losing that game to Kentucky, but but it simply wasn't the case just because, as I mentioned, losing to Kentucky doesn't hurt your overall resume, uh, but when it came down to it, the tie just didn't kind of get that, that next sort of win that they needed uh, that would have sent them into the field, and being the second team out, we can argue, and I will certainly be one to tell you that I didn't think a team like St. John's, uh, Arizona State, you could also make the case against, I think. Those two getting in ahead of Alabama is something that you could look at and break down the numbers and certainly uh, be able to make an argument there, uh, especially St. John's, in my opinion, uh, looking at their, their body of work, which I've done a lot this week, uh, and trying to compare it to teams like Alabama and a team like Belmont, who, by the way, uh, congratulations to Rick Bird and company because you talk about one of the most well-respected guys in this entire business. Uh, Rick Bird, he is just one of a kind, and for them to get an at-large bid, that should tell you something just about how he continues to build that program. I know Alabama fans won't be too excited about that because that was the spot that could have went to them, uh, but you got to be happy for Rick Bird and Belmont, uh, a program, a mid-major who has done things the right way year in and year out. They've tried to schedule tougher and tougher. They've taken advantage of their opportunities, and they're able to get into the tournament, so good for them. But if you're the Crimson Tide, uh, no doubt disappointing not to get in and be that second team out and will now uh, have to wait for their NIT process and you know who they'll be playing and all that. Uh, that will be coming out here shortly on those. So that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Southeast Who's podcast. Like I mentioned, going to try to keep doing more of these podcasts here as we go throughout the NCAA tournament to give you all the info you need 
uh, for the SEC teams that are in the tournament. And there will be, like we said, teams in the NIT as well, and so we'll talk about that. Uh, may not be as exciting as we, <laughs> I know you guys, uh, not as exciting to get to the NIT as it is the NCAA tournament, but we'll still talk a lot about it, uh, each of the matchups, and get everything ready for you. I also have a uh, ESPN tournament challenge, uh, a group, which I do every year. If you want to join that, uh, I put the link out on Twitter. I'll continue to post it on there several times. It is officially called the Pants Optional Group. So if you want to join that, already uh, plenty of people that have joined, as I mentioned on Twitter, uh, be sure to put your Twitter username as your entry name for your bracket. That way I know who's who, uh, and I can publicly uh, sort of give the winner the compliment they deserve. Uh, if it's not myself, which uh, it seems to not be the case, it seems to uh, always be someone else who is uh, out doing the competition there. Uh, but it'll be a lot of fun as always, so be sure to check out uh, that ESPN Tournament Challenge, the Pants Optional Group. Uh, yes, where pants are indeed optional for that particular bracket group. Uh, but make sure you're subscribed to the Southeast Soups podcast on any podcast app that you use. Just search for Southeast Soups. It'll be there, and uh, be sure to follow all of the stuff going up at southeastsoups.com. Uh, and follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level with lots more stuff on the way on there. Send over any questions at, that you have, as always, for any of the stuff going on in the SEC. And we will talk more about the NCAA tournament as well as some uh, coaching stuff that's going on throughout uh, here in March and as we go into the offseason. So thanks, as always, for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.